you know, I'm going to say this and this is not saying that you don't take it to God, Mm -hmm. but you have to understand that when you do what you're receiving back is still filtered through your own. That's it. You know, that's it. Limiting beliefs in your own narrative. You don't even speak what that you're language. Hearing. Whatever's coming back to you, you don't even speak that language yet. Your yeah. consciousness is not there. Right. So taking it to God, he still has to be directly sent back to you and you still are filtering it through your negativity or your, you know, whatever narrative you have about yourself. So I think sometimes it has to be external. It has to be literally a person outside of your ecosystem, outside of your, you know, your peers, things like that. You need to, I mean, once again, get some therapy. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So you, first of all, looked at the evidence and the data, all the hard work you did. Yeah. Secondly, therapy has really worked. Anything else you use to boost confidence? Just because someone can live with a disease doesn't mean they should. The overwhelming majority of prescriptions written today are written to treat lifestyle disease. Lifestyle disease is defined as conditions which can be attributed to the way in which a person lives. This includes things like physical activity, drinking, smoking, stress, the quality of our social connections, sleep, purposeful and professional alignment, and of course, our diet. But what if there was an alternative? What if before putting pen to pad, we had a comprehensive solution in lieu of pills and procedures. You are listening to the Plant Protocol Podcast for current and aspiring health professionals who are done with simply managing chronic lifestyle challenges and are interested in taking a whole food plant-based approach to combating them. I'm your host, Lisa A. Smith. It's time to come get this health. Hey, welcome back to the Plant Protocol Podcast. Listen, if you guys have been following me for any amount of time, then you know I had a podcast called the Black Health Academy Podcast for many, many years that I did with my best friend, Miss Gifford with Jay. Well, guess who is blessing us on the mic today? The one, the only, Miss Gifford with Jay. I'm walking in the room. The crowd is cheering. I can hear them. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> hey, yo, listen, guys. First of all, please give my best friend a warm round of applause. First time on the Plant Protocol podcast, SNJ. We try and be appropriate over here. Okay, got so it. So here's the house rules. All right. Don't bring none of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. You had going on over at the Black Health Academy podcast. I thought you was going to say, don't condone any of my nonsense (laughs) I used to do. That's what I thought you was going to say. That's funny. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because every veteran listener knows you were always trying to bring out the nonsense out of me while I was always trying to be serious and give the people good health information. And you. I remember trying to be serious and you got an attitude. (laughs) You was really like, what is all this about? No, okay. All right. So over here, you know, we try and really Mm -hmm. give valuable information. Yes. So do not act up. You should have your glasses on so you can look at me over the glass so I can remember (laughs) (laughs) this is serious. Because I swear for God, listen. So Jay, tell people all about you. Welcome to the Plant Protocol. Oh, didn't see that coming. (laughs) Did, Did not see that coming. Tell them all about me. Yes. I was born in California, Long Beach. And was. <laughs> so you ain't gonna stop me. Like, no, 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 no don't go back that far. <laughs> I mean, I'm a plant-based enthusiast, yeah. you know? I believe in the plant-based approach. I think it's a viable treatment to your health. Not even believe, I know it's a viable treatment to your health and all the ailments that come along with a lifestyle of just giving into the American, the standard American diet, the standard American mindset, because that that can kill your your arteries and your health before what you put on your plate does sometimes. You know, I've coached, I've been a part of the Black Health Academy, all these different things, but it all involves plant-based health, plant-based belief and trying to encourage and inspire people to live their best lives, but you gotta do it 
with the mindset that you are capable of doing it mm -hmm. and that that's something that you actually want. So when you start to believe it and model it, mm. I mean, you have no choice but to ascend. So I guess that's enough about me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. And I, you know, I wanted to bring you on today to talk about confidence. I want to talk about courage and I want to talk about change. Okay, C3. What? <laughs> I was like, go ahead, girl. Yes, because you and I have all, you know, have always had really good conversations about all three of those things, especially, you know, back on the Black Health Academy podcast. And so I thought it would be relevant here. I want to, from a career standpoint, a coaching standpoint, or even a lifestyle standpoint, you know, so many people struggle with confidence. Yeah. So many people. And so that's kind of what I wanted to dig into today because. A lot of our coaches struggle when people are, you know, thinking about making it a career or trying to live it or live it in an ecosystem where it's not quite accepted yet. So they're going to be the outlier for a while. Right. So just having confidence in staking a claim in your personal choices or having confidence in pivoting in your career, having confidence of publicly proclaiming a new identity for yourself, all mm -hmm. that can be really hard, right? really hard. And so you and I were just a couple of days ago having a great offline conversation about confidence and you had a great perspective on it because I think the reason this is going to be such a beneficial conversation is because I think me and you come from two different sides of the confidence coin. Right. I think for me, I've never struggled at that level. And so I don't think my point of view, I don't know if I'll ever be able to 100% relate right. to somebody who had to really work hard on their confidence and their right. belief in certain things. Now, we all got certain things. It's not the same across the board in every level, right? So I definitely had to work on some beliefs in some area in my life versus others. But even I think even those levels were probably not as, didn't require as much work. My first question to you, I want to make sure we do agree on one thing. When it comes to confidence, do you believe it's just something you're born with? No, I don't. Okay, me either. I don't believe that. But I do believe at an early age, your environment shapes the type of confidence you're going to eventually have or begin to have. Yeah. I do believe that. Yeah. Whether it comes from your peers, your parents, right? Or lack of peers, because sometimes we do things because of, and sometimes we feel and do things in despite of. Fact. So, you know, I don't believe that when they say, you know, nurture versus nature, mm. I don't believe that it's like you were born with certain confidence level, but I believe like instantly, once you enter this world, your confidence immediately begins to become shaped by your environment. Yeah. I do believe that. I agree hundred percent. Before we go forward, we should probably set the scene for what's happening right now. They, oh. <laughs> I wanted people to believe that we were at, you know, this office table and we <laughs> and not. <laughs> we are so not. I let's yeah, you can set the scene. <laughs> let, let, let's just paint the picture before we move any further. <laughs> I want everybody to understand the level of comfort <laughs> and the, the the chill factor is on plus 10. Yeah. So I want to be very clear. So just to be clear, we're recording this on a Friday morning. Okay. We had a Friday morning, early morning date. Okay. To do absolutely nothing but binge on one of our favorite shows that we are only allowed to watch for one another. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we started our day at 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. on a Friday. Both of us off work today and decided to chill at my house on a couch we both have our own blankie covered up. <laughs> I'm sipping tea and water. You Hot tea. Lemon water. I got my lemon water and my grapes. We just finished eating breakfast. And the blankets are so snuggly. Oh, very. I, I don't know if I thanked you for that, for having the best blankets you, in the game. You didn't, but thank you for doing it publicly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> yes. And you're welcome. Yeah. So I just wanted to set the scene for the level of chill we're on right now. Like hair tied up, hoodies on, like 
is very much giving girlfriends right yeah, now. <laughs> very much so. So so much for me trying to pretend like we were sitting up at an office desk yeah. or yeah, in the yeah. conference room somewhere. No, yeah, because yeah, it was the way you was pronouncing them T's and dotting them I's. I was like, oh, she's trying to be okay. I'm trying. <laughs> you was a little buttoned up on that first look. No, see, I believe confident. Oh, so you were outing me. That was to out me. <laughs> Whole time I'm thinking you just want to share a little bit with, and you just trying to out me. Okay, I get no, it. No, no, no. So, okay. Do go on. I do agree, though. I do agree 100%. <laughs> wow. What's, what's a podcast? We were so us? united, if, but go on. What is a podcast between us if there is no shade at some point? It wouldn't be a podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I think they'll start tuning out. Yeah, tuning, yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you know, got it. You got to bring it, especially it's such a rainy day. We might as well keep the shade going. Um, wow. But I do 100% agree that your environment plays a huge role in your confidence especially, like you said, friends and family. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. So I will give the perspective of fostering, fostering your child's uh, gifts, talent. And I remember reading a while ago, well, a long time ago, how parents who really want confident children, they will allow freedom, you know, especially for the things that don't really matter, but they matter a lot to the kids. For instance, a child may say, I want my room to be bright red. And in your head, you're cringing. But you go get the red paint and you allow that because I'm showing you that I believe in your decisions. Mm. Stuff like that matters, right? They even say birthday parties matter. A group of people showing up just for you to celebrate you, to show you that you matter. Stuff, just the things that you don't even really think about. Those small things begin to build confidence. But as a child grows how much support, how much attention, things like that, and then how much their peers accept them. Yeah. Begin to cultivate this confidence. But then on the flip side, I do believe there is some genetic predispositions Mm. that can affect your confidence. And I believe that with me, and I shared when I spoke on the panel, well, not the panel, but you remember when Tiff and I spoke, it was with the Black Health Academy. Oh, for one of our first Saturday classes? no, it wasn't first Saturdays. Oh, it was, it was uh, it's called table? Plant Farm to Table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I spoke and I finally admitted that my dad had mental health issues, psychological issues. And I was like, I never wanted to tell anyone that because I didn't want to be judged. But I do, now that I'm older, I realize it does affect, you know, how some of the thoughts that I have, like how mm-hmm. confident that I have felt. I feel like there's a genetic predisposition that I have to fight against when it comes to depression, mm-hmm. confidence and things like that. So, yeah, I do believe your environment shapes. You know how we always say you may have a genetics when it comes to diabetes, about 10, 15, maybe 20 yeah. percent. But your lifestyle, let's be honest, your lifestyle the bigger role. has the bigger play. Yeah. And I do believe that about confidence as well. I agree as well. I agree. So, yeah, like you said, some of it might be innate because you might right. just come out being, a, you know, extrovert and more open and more willing to try things and be more risky and be more kind of like your son, Bryson. Like, right. He's super confident in his ability oh, God. to flip from the top of a tree. Yeah. But, you know, and whereas your daughter's a little more safe and reserved right. and likes to study stuff first. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Like there is part of it that is definitely nature, but the majority of it is nurture. Right. 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 And so talk about how you've dealt with challenges with your confidence over the years and what are some things you've actually done to improve it or what has helped to improve your confidence in certain areas? I've done so many things. I've done so many things that I couldn't even, you know, yeah, you know, you have. Oh my gosh. Like for one, I'll start out with the latest thing. And I was just telling you the other day with actually taking time to pat myself on the back and recognize out loud what I have accomplished and celebrating myself. Mm. That's one of the things, you know, that I think is lacking. We never feel like we're doing enough and what we do you know, when we accomplish one thing, it's off to the next accomplishment, off to the next goal, off to the next thing without stopping to say, I've achieved this, I've accomplished this. Mm -hmm. You know, this was me, this was my doing. And we talk about, you know, needing evidence. Well, sometimes we need the evidence to be more confident, Mm -hmm. but we have the evidence, but we ignore it because Mm -hmm. to us, it's not good enough, right? And I was just telling a friend of mine about how every single parent that I know most parents, if not all, 
they always have some sort of guilt that they're not doing enough, that they're not being enough, that they're working too much, they're not with the kids too much, they're not making enough money. And I said, it's funny to me that all the parents that think that are the great parents, mm -hmm. right? The parents that aren't doing enough for real, they don't feel bad at all. Mm -hmm. So I think part of being confident is you want to be so big, you want to be so great, you want to be so phenomenal, and you're not giving yourself any type of grace, any type of credit, any type of pat on the back. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I do is learn how to take a look at what I've actually done, what mm -hmm. I've actually accomplished, and really celebrating myself. I am so glad you said that because one of the things that I've told our students, like you just said, confidence comes from evidence. Right. But sometimes we don't, like you said, recognize we have the evidence and we don't think so. And it makes me think about like some of our coaches thinking like, you know, I'm not qualified to coach. I'm not qualified to teach. I'm not qualified to help anybody. And I constantly have to remind them of the evidence they already have of accomplishing the goal. Right. You have the evidence. You have the that evidence. evidence is just not good enough for you. For you. Exactly. Right. And so you have the evidence. So I'm so glad you said that. So what I'm hearing when we say, you know, confidence comes from evidence and you have to stop to actually identify the evidence yes, that you, you already have. So you we're not saying go out and do more to get evidence. We're saying if you stop for a moment and think about it, the data is in front of you. The data is in front of you and your data is not going to look like somebody else's data mm -hmm. because evidence doesn't look like evidence because we're too busy comparing. Mm. You know, one of the things I also had to do was go off social media for a long extended period of time, you know, because you'll see what someone else is doing. It's like, wow, I should be there. Or I should be doing that. Or they know so much. And I don't know this. And if I had this, when in reality, some of these things that you're seeing are fabricated. Number one, they may have a team that you don't have. They may have been studying way long. You're not them at the end of the day. Yeah. Just point blank period. You're yeah. not them. Yeah. So the contrast comparison, all that stuff yeah. will affect your confidence. If you know you tend to feel bad after looking at certain things, reading certain things, being certain places, you really have to respect your own boundary. We, we're good for creating boundaries for other people, yep. but we don't give ourselves enough boundaries. This is the line you don't cross it. No, so five minutes of social media time. Like there's apps, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. Yep. Because once you scroll, so you're going to find something that makes you feel down, depressed, sad, whatever. Not if enough. you're that type of person. If you're that type of person. I'm not saying it's for everybody. Some people get on social media to get lost and they they happy, yeah. you know. <laughs> but if you're the type of person, oh, look at, you know, her business is doing well. Or look how, most, how much weight she's lost. Or she's such a great mother. Or he finished first place in this marathon. I can't even run. Whatever your, your thing is. Yeah. And you tend to do that then I would say eliminate social media. If it's not bringing you any type of satisfaction, any type, you're not making any money, like you're not benefiting from it, mm -hmm. you have to eliminate those things that are in conflict with you being a more confident person. But another thing that I did, you know, therapy, and we don't know this, a lot of us, mm -hmm. that therapy is not just for trauma. It's not just for these life altering changes, you know, it's not for these big significant things in your life. If you are a person that lacks confidence, you might need to talk to an unbiased person. Yep. And I'm sorry to say that unbiased person may be absolutely no one in your life, personal life, like they are all biased. Mm -hmm. They love you, but they are biased. Yeah. So you need to talk to a professional. There's nothing wrong with that. I know we're getting more comfortable with therapy and talking about it, being open, but everybody's still not comfortable with therapy. No, they're not. And, I, and you're 100% right. It is just as good for preventative. It's preventative medicine, just like it's treatment. It is. Yeah, very it much is. so. And I think one of the things I try and tell my students, our students all the time in the plant protocol is when it comes to limiting beliefs, the best thing you could do with a limiting belief, because you know what I hate when what? people express some type of limiting belief or, you know, are taking the time to be vulnerable and say they're not confident, they don't believe in themselves or whatever. I hate when we try and slap simple stuff on it like affirmations or just think differently or just change the thought or whatever, like that it's, you know, like that is not going to uproot this deep seated feeling of lacking inadequacy that one has. So what I typically tell people is the first things first is to get a second opinion. Mm -hmm. Treat it like a diagnosis. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're diagnosing yourself as not enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and you think you have evidence of it. Right. Right. So you're diagnosing yourself as not enough based on this, these things, right? Get a second opinion on that self-diagnosis. And that second opinion, one of the best places to get that is therapy, you know? And so I never forget when I, one of my first therapists, I went to her because of the issues with my dad leaving me. And I told her, you know, I think I have this thing called I'm not enough syndrome and I just go after achievements and no matter what, I don't take the time to celebrate because I'm just always chasing achievement because I think I'm just trying to do something to make him love me. And that's the only reason I'm successful. And she was like, but that's not it. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. She's like, you by default were always going to be successful. She's like, you are special. I always get the, remember the other day we were talking about words we get mixed up? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I get despite and in spite of mixed up. Me too. Okay. Like when I just said it a while ago, I didn't know if I said it right, but I, I was just like, whatever. And yeah, I had no idea either. But our, our listeners are pretty smart. They they, <laughs> they picked up what you <laughs> those, were saying. Those are, that is something that I get mixed up all the time All too. the time. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is she said you were always going to be who you are and you were always going to be a higher treat achiever. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what happened with your dad, you were always going to be, you know, a high achiever. And she took my limiting belief and offered that second opinion. Right. And so that's one way you guys can start looking at therapy when it comes to your confidence or your feelings of inferiority or inadequacy around yourself is I'm saying these things. I'm telling myself these things. But have I gotten a second opinion? Like you said, have I run it past somebody who's unbiased, right. a really neutral perspective, right. gave them all of the information? Because the only way therapy works is if you are truthful. Like, let's get it straight. You can't withhold information and expect to get proper treatment also. So you have to go in willing to be truthful. And sometimes that can take some time with developing trust in everything with the therapist. So this don't all have to happen on the first session. But you have to get a second opinion. Another great place to do that is in a safe community. And that's what I believe we curated inside of the plant protocol. Like our coaches show up to our live classes and that's where they share these things with me and their colleagues in the classroom. Like, you know, I really don't know if I can help people. I I don't know if I can do this. And I love that they feel safe doing that because that is their opportunity to get a second opinion. And then it's my opportunity as a coach to be like, well, I believed in you. Here's why I think you can. Like there was an interview process to get into this program. There was an application process. Like I was looking for something specifically and I saw it in you. And also based on these these three things, here's the data that you are capable. And so it's just that finding a safe space, whether it be with a therapy or in community or with a friend to get a second opinion. You have to get a second opinion. A lot of people believe in the black community, I know for sure, just take it to God, you know, and they feel like that's the second opinion, which, you know, I'm going to say this and this is not saying that you don't take it to God, Mm. but you have to understand that when you do what you're receiving back is still filtered through your own. That's it. You know, that's it. limiting beliefs in your own narrative. You don't even speak what that you're language. Hearing. Whatever's coming back to you, you don't even speak that language yet. Your yeah. consciousness is not there. Right. So taking it to God, it still has to be directly sent back to you. And you still are filtering it through your negativity or your, you know, whatever narrative you have about yourself. So I think sometimes it has to be external. It has to be literally a person outside of your ecosystem, outside of your peers, things like that, you need to, I mean, once again, get some therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, At the end of the day. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So you, first of all, looked at the evidence and the data, all the hard work you did. Yeah. Secondly, therapy has really worked. Anything else you use to boost confidence? I think two of the biggest tools that I use, and I use this tool with everything, not just what confidence, but anything I really don't want to do, but I know I should do, or anything I have a fear of or anything. Me. <laughs> I knew it was coming. You know the I was about to be like, be back. <laughs> I knew I was like to bleep out the pocket. <laughs> Get a friend like me. Oh my god. <laughs> Sidebar. It's funny because some people who meet you, they are so intimidated and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so dumb. like this HR. This like <laughs> who? Where? 
What? <laughs> like, okay, I guess. You want me to be afraid of you so Like, bad. she's the biggest goofball on the planet. I'm goofy self. <laughs> anyway, that threw me off to my meat. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's just go with that. Don't give me my flowers. I do need helping you through stuff. Uh, okay. It's like, okay, go ahead. What's your other um, two? But no, you... Okay, I'll go back to you in a minute. <laughs> so one of the things is having actual plan. Even when I went to the gym, one of my things I used to do, and I say used to because I had surgery and I haven't been able to work out in a minute. Allegedly. But, oh, you want me to kill myself? I ain't never seen no doctor's papers. You know how people think <laughs> conspiracy theories be like, that never happened in the world. I'm like... <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> not, not I want you to exercise. I don't think you ever had something. <laughs> wow. Allegedly. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, you think you know a person. You're thinking the same thing about me. Like, oh, last self. <laughs> but anyway, when I was going to the gym, and I haven't done it in a while, though, but I used to write my workouts before because I knew once I got there, whatever I wrote, I wouldn't want to do all that. But I used to write it when I was feeling like my best, when I'm chilling nice. and that felt like I could just do, oh yeah, burpees. Yep. Doing those. When I get to the gym and after I've done a set, I don't want to do burpees, but I, since I wrote it, I know that I'm capable of doing it because I'm not going to write anything outrageous. So setting a plan yeah. when you feel most confident and executing on it. So good. Executing. Don't say what you can't do and what you can do when you're down and you're feeling low and you're feeling like the world is beating you up and oh my God, I'm such this, I'm such that. No, when you're feeling powerful and you're feeling great about yourself, that's when you design your plan and stick to it. Mm -hmm. Stick to it. Mm -hmm. You know, don't look, oh, I, why did I say that? Or why did I write that? Or why? No, I, no, you wrote it so you know you're capable. Mm -hmm. Your mind is just lying to you right now. Mm -hmm. Like, sidebar, you know, depression and anxiety and fears, it will tell you so many lies about yourself. That's a fact. It will tell you, it's called a cognitive distortion mm -hmm. where, I mean, you will feel like people don't love you. Mm -hmm. People don't like you. Mm -hmm. Your work is not good enough. Mm -hmm. Your body is so ugly, even though just last week you thought you was just it. Mm -hmm. But when you start having hormonal changes or going through certain things, distortion in the way you think happens. So I want people to understand that yeah. your confidence may be lacking yeah. because of the grief, the guilt, the depression, all that different stuff will distort your confidence in the way you think and the way you feel about what's happening to you in your life. So good. Second thing, when I said writing the plan was to, I'll give you credit, mm -hmm. to intentionally find people that inspire you, but don't make you feel bad about being you. And there's a difference. A huge difference. You know, yeah. you can be inspired and feeling, you know, like inferior at the same time when you look at these people. Yeah. You know, finding, uh, like you said, a safe space, a safe person, mm -hmm. a person who can mentor you, a person who can just inspire you from a distance. When I first started exercising, didn't know how to exercise. I used to watch a lot of fitness people and they didn't make me feel inferior. They inspired me. So you have to, you know, kind of know what type of person you are mm -hmm. and what inspires you and filter. I cannot say this enough. I want to scream this from the mountaintops. Filter your timeline to whatever it is you want to think and feel. Yep. I remember, you know, deleting and unfollowing so many people who shared fight videos that shared things that I just, and then it got to the point where everything that came down my timeline was exactly what I wanted to see. Yeah. Like you can do this. Yeah. It might take a little time, but you can definitely do this. Yeah. Curating your ecosystem, being yeah. very intentional, like on and offline. Like we tend to do it offline. Like, yeah. oh, no, I want to be around certain energy, blah, blah, blah. But that energy is online as well. And so filtering that energy, I think those are some really good tips. Making a plan when you are in a good place. Right. Right. Um, and I love that you, especially with the exercise example, because it makes me think about like the advice I've heard all the time about like whatever we dream up in our mind or whatever we imagine or envision, like that vision was given to us because it's a preview to the main event. And sometimes we think of things and we dismiss it so fast, like the five second rule, like we dismiss it so fast because it seems so unattainable or unachievable. 
but we don't understand that it will, the idea would have never came to us. The vision would have never came to us. It's just a preview of what's possible for your life, but you do have to have a plan to execute on. The lack of confidence does come because maybe we're focusing so much on the finish line, but maybe start by focusing on all the steps that takes place between where you are on the finish line. Cause yeah, like you used not, to always tell me that. Yeah. Stop thinking about Z. Stop thinking about Z. Think about B. You're, <laughs> you're think about B. Yeah. You know, you at A right now. Go to just think about B. You I, always need to now you start always and I still struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. I gotta know what Z is before I know if I can do it. <laughs> if you know, how am I gonna get to Z? I don't know. Okay, but we're at X. I don't know how to do X, you know, I don't know how, but if you're only at A, you're only at the beginning. Once you get to F, you're going to start learning about the next step, yeah. right? The next step. By the time you get to X, you're going to know about X and yeah. then Z is going to come out of Like it takes so much to lock that into a person who was not exposed to that type of upbringing where it's, you're going against the grain where the people in your life are, you know, as you always uh, like to call everybody or certain things, uh, mediocrity. Everybody mediocre. mediocre. Let's, let's get that clear. <laughs> and most people are mediocre. Well, most people are mediocre. So <laughs> if you decide, I don't want to be mediocre. I want to do something different. I want to step out on faith. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, you know, everybody's overweight, but I don't want to live my life like that. I'm not getting surgery. I'm going to do it naturally. Everybody's looking at me crazy. It's so much internal, external. And to be a person that's like, you know what? I have this much confidence in myself. It does take work. And I, I think that's what we need to understand is that confidence doesn't just come because you want it to. You yeah. don't just, just wake up in confidence. It's just there waiting on you. You yeah. have to just like happiness, you have to fight for, you have to fight for confidence. I mean, most things, I mean, we already know most things worth having, you have to do some work for it. So that's a, that's a fact. I think the only thing it really takes, like when it comes to like understanding that the next step will appear once you just do the work on this level. So stop trying to be obsessed with X, Y, and Z and just focus on A, B, and C. I only think it requires one thing that most what? people are not utilizing enough of, and that's faith. I think people don't have faith. I think people are relying so much on hard work, relying so much on their own hands, and they are not relinquishing control. Faith is just all about relinquishing control. Faith is being able to believe in something you haven't seen. And I don't think enough people are willing to surrender to that level of being out of control. Right, because it's not tangible. And I remember, I don't expect you to, but I do remember someone you used to work with years ago and she was a friend of yours and we all went out together. She had leukemia. Mm -hmm. And I remember her saying that everybody, she was young too, like 21 or 22 or something like yeah, I that. I definitely don't remember why. Wow. And I didn't know her, but she was just, you know, being kind of, you know, transparent. And she was saying she hates how everybody in her life wants her to have faith and, mm. you know, trust in God. She said, I want something tangible. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of everybody telling me to have faith. I'm sick of everybody telling me to trust in this and trust in these things that I can't see. Mm -hmm. I want tangible proof that I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I felt that. Mm -hmm. I felt that. And I feel it now when you say have faith. I do believe. I'm not saying in the absence of a plan. And I ain't saying faith 100%. Well, I am saying faith 100%, but I'm saying you can't just sit back with faith and expect nothing. We know, like, I would have been doing all the things too, right? Like, with a diagnosis. Like, so I'm not saying, like, just wash your hands. I think it goes perfectly with your suggestion of what is the plan. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? But I think the people that we know, like, the, like we know a lot of, like, smart, intelligent, successful people, whatever. And we typically have plans. Like, you, you keep a plan. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, do you keep faith as much as you keep a plan? Just like confidence, you know, I think faith has to be kind of nurtured. Yeah. It's, so like you gotta, it's a muscle you got to work A muscle on. you have to build. I agree. Yeah, a I muscle agree. you have to build. And it's easier to, you know, take a bat to a car and, and tear it down 
And then if you got to build that car back, you would know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens a lot to people's faith. It has been torn down from different things. Mm -hmm. And now that it's felt like it's just all over the place, mm -hmm. pieces everywhere, how do I build this back up? Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of work. I mean, there's no absence of work for the things you need in life. I think we could have wrapped this podcast up in like two minutes that, and said, do the work. That's a fact. You know, that's do the fact. work. That's a fact. Because I've seen people, and you don't have proof. You never have proof of someone else's faith. They can say they do, but then you see their life in shambles. And you're like, they have so much faith. They did this, they did that. How could that have happened to them? And then, you know, just by default, sometimes your faith, is affected. And mm -hmm. I think that happens to people in their personal life, things that happened to them when they've had faith. And then things have happened to other people who they thought were these good, you know, religious people. They believed in God. They went to church. They tithe. They did all of this stuff. And then they got divorced or they got sick. And then your faith is just getting constantly knocked down. It takes work to have continued faith. It does take work to have continued faith. But I also think people confuse having a relationship with God or some higher power as faith. And I disagree wholeheartedly. And I think that's the issue too. Because you could, whatever you believe in, that this isn't a religious conversation, it is, you could be praying, you could be going to your church or your place of worship. You could be, That doesn't mean you have faith. And I think that is the issue too. Like, like living a life of radical obedience, like I always right. talk about, like in perfect alignment mm -hmm. and not deviating from that alignment is a practice in faith. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, and I want people to know, like, just because you have a relationship with your God or whatever you believe in, you might just be spiritual, whatever. It doesn't mean you have faith. It just right. means you just have a good spiritual practice or a good, you, you know what I mean? You're trying to mm -hmm. practice, follow the mm -hmm commandments or whatever, be more godly or be a good person. That doesn't mean you have faith. So define faith. Faith is a willingness to not need to see all the steps to take the next one. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is so important. So many of us are so afraid of things not working out we, because we don't have tangible evidence mm -hmm. of this, that, and the third. We don't pursue things Mm -hmm. Or we even worse, I think of not pursuing it is pursuing it half ass mm -hmm. because we're not willing to really surrender and give into this because faith requires you to relinquish control. It's black and white. Right. Like the reason we stay in jobs that we think are secure, even though it might be making us miserable, is when we stay in relationships because we think I'm not healthy enough financially to move out on my own, even though this relationship is tearing me up. Like it's because we lack faith. Uh, we lack faith in maybe ourselves and our ability mm -hmm. to develop and grow and get it done. We lack faith in other people. One of my most recent practices of faith personally, for example, is hiring somebody again, similar to the example you just used. You know, I done been through a bunch of employees and team members over the years. Yeah. And just hired somebody again this year, like Lisa, where you want to go requires a team. And Yes, you've hired people in the past that did not operate out of a spirit of excellence the way you would like them to. But that cannot stop you from hiring. Again, you have to, at some point, delegate and relinquish control of everything. you got to open your hands and let some of this stuff go. That's faith, right? So I'm giving over parts of my business. And it happened last night. Like, Jay, I was messaging my assistant last night because there was this gig we were trying to we're going after and I was in my head assuming that she didn't even do it and so I started writing up typing out the question like did you submit this application and then when you submitted the application um, make sure you follow up with the lady who told us that she was going to recommend me like did we do all that and so I'm typing I was typing the question as if it didn't get done mm -hmm. and something told me to stop and I went back and looked in our system that we use to keep track of tasks and stuff. And she had did it. I went into the email, look at the sent messages. She had sent the email to the lady just like I would have. Everything was done. Mm -hmm. And my heart started beating at how much I almost doubted her from the beginning of the conversation before, mm -hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, cause like, I'm like, wow, she did everything that I would have did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She did it the way I wanted her to do it. And 
I was like, Lisa, you have to, okay, this is it. This is your point to prove that you have faith. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, well, me hiring somebody was having faith and then I still try and micromanage everything and still try right. to do everything on my own. And so it's just that. It's like, and you know I got a relationship with God. You know I'm in church every time, but that doesn't mean I have faith. Faith is a practice. Right. It's a muscle and it's something that you do and or to, to relinquish control so that you so that you can get more of what you're asking for. You know how you mean you always talk about like, you know, when it comes to giving and money, like the more you give, the more you receive. And we have like all these great stories about that. But it's the same with everything in your life, like relinquishing control when it comes to your business, relinquishing control when it comes to your kids, releasing relinquishing control when it comes to all these things. It's not just your money. It's like your talent, like it's willingness to believe in something that you don't have evidence for yet but you know that you just you pulling all the strings and you being the puppet master also ain't gonna be enough okay i got it (laughs) you can relax your shoulders honey relax i done set up you done set up i mean back straight as a board because i want more people to understand that the way you want to live your life the way you, your career, your relationships, everything you want truly is some substance of that is available. Some version of that is available to you. I think to add on to that, to piggyback off of that, to free up the space to get the faith, I think we have to get rid of the things, some of the things mm-hmm. that we have to control. Because sometimes we have things in our lives that we can actually do away with. <laughs> That, you know, you have a people in your life that you have to micromanage because they ain't never doing right. And then, you know, sometimes you're controlling just too much. Yeah. So maybe if you relinquish, not even relinquish, like I had to say get rid of, but get rid of some people, some things. Yeah. Just the extra baggage that you have to control that you don't necessarily need in your life it will free up, I'm not even talking about actual time. I'm talking about like that mental, mental your mental state. capacity, 100%, your mental. But, so, but now you get in touchy now because this talks back to what we were saying before we hopped on a podcast. How hard has changed, Jay? You're saying like you're rid of it, like I could just, right? Like I can just like, let me, let me stop micromanaging. Let me stop running behind them. Let me stop double checking that. Let me stop. So now we're talking about changing. Yeah, change. I think it depends on the type of person because I've been working really hard and it's going to be the exact opposite of the advice I just gave. Oh, okay. But here I go. I've been working really hard and not just letting people just walk out of my life. Mm -hmm. Like, they got to, you know, call me or forget them. Like, so just a couple of days, was it yesterday, I got into an argument Mm -hmm. and they said some things to me that I didn't like. I said some things to them that they didn't like. And they basically was like, you can go about your business. And we got off the phone. I sat there and then I was like, let me call them back. Mm. You don't know how much that took. Yes, I do. (laughs) I was like, let me call them back because it does not have to go this way. We need to just talk about how we feel. Yeah, yeah. That has been something I've been working on, Mm. you know, at my age. Even if a relationship does end, why can't it end amicably? Amicably yeah. with us both we slamming the phone down. Ain't, no, yeah. that's emotion. Yeah. So if we aren't going to be friends anymore, if we aren't going to be, we need to yeah. not be high and, and angry yeah. when we do this so we know that it's not emotion leading. So I've been really, really working hard on that. Good for you. Yeah. It, it, and it's hard because my, you know, my first thing is F you. Bye. Door slam. Get the stepping in. And won't lose a wink of sleep. And won't, I'm talking about might sleep better. <laughs> might sleep better, okay? But no, I don't want that no more. I want that's, to That's emotional maintain... intelligence, I'm proud of you. Thank that's you. That's super mature. Thank you. Yeah, that's and really it's, And it's real work. And it took, I physically felt the work, the mental, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But making those decisions they are everything to me i don't know how people are about when, you know writing stuff down or deciding something for themselves but when you decide something for yourself just give all you have 
to achieving it and maintaining it. That's tough, Jay. Change is so hard for people, even if we're changing from a dysfunctional situation. Yeah. Like, I know this isn't good for me, but I don't know how to stop doing it. Like, I don't know how to stop hiding. I don't know how to stop being behind the scenes. I don't know how to stop micromanaging. I don't know how to stop, like, I, I don't know how to stop eating this crap. I don't know how to stop being sad. I don't know how to stop being scared. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it is so challenging for people to change, even though, like, cause I don't, I agree with you. I don't think change is that hard. No. But like you said, it might just come down to who we are. I do think change is hard, but I think you got to be the type of person who don't mind doing hard things. That's the thing. Like, so change is hard. Like for me, making that phone call was hard. Right. Okay. So change is hard depending on your relationship with hard things. Right. You know what I mean? I remember you talking about your workout was hard. Like you walked out the gym thinking everybody's supposed to give you a standing ovation. And was. <laughs> it was a hard workout, but you don't mind doing hard things. That's the thing about it. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to go from eating meat and, and no cheese to, yeah, like overhauling your whole, yeah, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But what's wrong with doing things that are hard for you? That's the part we need to talk about. Like what's wrong with turning on the camera and showing up and doing a video and stating your perspective? Right. <laughs> that's it's hard, but what is your work on your relationship with hard things? So how does one do that? Do we do hard things privately first? Like how does one work on? Cause like, for example, one of the ways I tell people to start working on getting closer to living a life of radical obedience is be obedient with the tiny things. Like that friend that crosses your mind and you don't call them. And then they call you two days later and you be like, Oh, I was just thinking about you. You were disobedient when they crossed your mind. So that's a small thing, like something like that occurred to you to do. And then you delay it or you don't do it. And then something happens showing that you should have did it. That's a lapse of obedience right there. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't start there if I was trying to get people to, to have a better relationship with doing hard things. No, no, no. I'm using it. I'm saying me either. I'm saying I'm giving an example of a small thing you can do to get closer to being radically obedient. That's, exactly, oh, okay. that's an example okay. of obedience. Right. I'm saying so when it comes to doing hard things. Where can somebody start small to get more comfortable with doing things that makes them so uncomfortable? I agree with you with doing the small things first. What I would do is small days first. You know, don't eat meat for two days, like, or one meal out of two weeks or something like that. But you got to start with some, you have to have, you can't be indiscriminate about everything you do and just let life just pull you around like a dog on a damn leash. Oh, <laughs> dang. I almost got to the podcast. Without you curse. almost made this all good. <laughs> Welcome to the Black Health Academy podcast, people. That's, there's no almost longer the platform called podcast. Almost made it. Especially converted back over to <laughs> the ghetto. <laughs> right. Talking about the ghetto. <laughs> but, you know, it's just getting just pulled around. What direction? We, I don't have a choice. I'm you getting pulled this way. You a victim in your own life. You a victim I mean, in your own life. Like, you ain't in control of nothing because everything scares you, make you uncomfortable. You can't speak up. You can't stand up for yourself. You can't do hard things. You're afraid of trolls on the internet. You're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of failure. So, at that point... Afraid to go to the gym because everybody looking at you. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're afraid to say no to the mac and cheese because the whole family don't talk. You don't want to be the health nut. So I'm just going to go along and put this junk in the, my body that I know is going to inflame me, make my stomach hurt, make me feel bad. Like you're afraid. Of... I'm afraid to say I'm going to go on vacation, not drink. I'm afraid to go on vacation and say I'm not going to eat any type of junk. I mean, we can't live our lives like that. And that, and now you're a victim of your own life. Yeah, your own choices, your own circumstances. And you're, you're also a victim of familiarity in the path of the least resistance. Mm. So... The path of the least resistance has been taking people out since 1900s. <laughs> the ghetto. <laughs> Every time we talk like we're back on the Black Oak podcast. <laughs> the ghetto. <laughs> That's the type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> the path of least resistance. I wish I could take the path of, re- of least resistance out back and shoot it. I swear. I, I swear. Like, what? What? Nothing. Go on. <laughs> I am so sick of us, everybody trying to choose the path of least resistance. Change don't happen on that path. Like, history ain't made on that path. Healing doesn't happen on that path. Money ain't made on that path. Like, everything you want ain't going to happen on the it path. It is of scientific. Least this is not just us. Like, what we did, what this is science, y'all, neural pathways. 
you have to. You better throw some big words. Metacognition. Throw some big <laughs> stuff out there. Make them, make them know we went right. somewhere. I'm going to give a hood example. I'm going to give a hood example. I'm going to leave it at this. If you got a neighbor, right, and it's a vacant house in between the two houses, and y'all, 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 y'all rock with each other heavy, y'all always crossing this tall grass back and forth to each other's house. The first time you cross over there, the grass is going to be tall. You're going to have to, you know, use your hands to move it out the way. But if you keep walking back and forth, back, y'all going to beat that grass down to the point where it's probably just like dirt right there. And then there's nothing standing in your way. That's how your brain works. The first time, the second time you create a pattern and then your pattern creates a habit. And then your habits, you don't even got to think about it at all. It becomes second nature. It becomes second nature. You yep. really don't have to do the work. Yep. So I'm just saying just a decision to create a pattern, a pattern to create a habit, and then a habit to create an autopilot. And now you can think about other stuff because this is now part of your life. And it ain't nothing like freeing up mental real estate from the stuff that used to give you so much fear and resistance that you thought about all the time and yeah. it don't even bother you no yeah. more. The amount of freedom that comes from taking the path of most resistance is unmatched. The most resistant becoming second nature is gold, pure gold. It's pure gold, Jack. Is it better than white women's tears, though? Ain't nothing trumping white women's tears. We'll see what 2024 do. But okay. They, they still leading in 2023. <laughs> okay. I, I, I went too far, but little bit. It, it, it is pure gold, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fact. Like, they're, oh, the freedom that comes with the path the most resistance, it feels so amazing. It makes me think of how I tell you, like, in my life, I have a hard time having fun or enjoying something if I haven't done some work first. Uh -huh. So when you came in this morning, what was I upstairs? Like, I'll be down. I'm sending an email. Remember? Yes, you are. Uh, we can talk to each other from here, I guess. That's so weird. <laughs> I'm yelling from my office, like, let, let yourself in and kick your shoes off. Uh, I'm upstairs earning the leisure that we about to do. So, but yeah, the path of most resistance, it will give you a lot of freedom. But it, it does take confidence. It does take courage. And it does take change. You done good. We might have you back on. I don't know. I'm gonna see what the people say. See what the people think. All you, right. You tried to. You tried I to. I tried to. I mean, <laughs> first I was too stiff. Then I'm cussing. You, then you too loose. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, nah. You let, know, let them decide. Y'all yeah. let us know, y'all. We're gonna give her a second chance. Uh, <laughs> They're going to probably be like, we hate you. We don't even want to hear you no more, Lisa Solo. <laughs> Lord, she's probably going to take it over. We'll see what happens. Listen, guys, please do yourself a whole favor. Click the link in the bio and check out the plant protocol. If you're interested in taking your plant-based lifestyle and turning it into a coaching business, a health coaching business, then do yourself a whole favor. Click the link in the bio and apply and or get on the wait list for the plant protocol. And we just recently introduced to provider training as well. So if you're a health professional, who's interested in learning nutrition and lifestyle science to integrate into your current career, but you're not necessarily interested in starting your own coaching business, then we uh, just recently introduced the plant protocol provider training. So you can definitely email us admin at theplantprotocol.com to learn more. Until next time, y'all take care. You tuned in today because like me, you're a disruptor. You're passionate about health and you have firsthand experience of taking a whole food plant-based approach to combating chronic health challenges. You want to see lifestyle and dietary modifications become the norm in the way in which we practice healthcare. However, you need mastery around nutrition and lifestyle science, a better understanding of behavior change to improve client compliance, and confidence in your ability to effectively coach clients to adopting those lifestyle modifications. You need The Plant Protocol. Visit theplantprotocol.com to apply and let's work together to improve the way in which we care for our most prized possession, our health. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. Until next time, remember, radical obedience is still undefeated. Stay obedient.